Welcome to the How to Find and Keep a Gay Man podcast. I'm Matt Bays, your host, with Matt Heinker, your co-host. And we're here to provide bitchy wisdom for the gay man looking for love. There are a lot of gay men out there looking for a meaningful love experience, and we are here to help. You can follow How to Find and Keep a Gay Man on Instagram and TikTok, where you'll find all sorts of bitchy wisdom about what it's going to take to find and keep a gay man. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Body, adi, adi. I love the title. It's from Carmen Carrera, season six or seven, right? I haven't watched it as much as you have. I'm on season 14, though, right now, and oh my mm. god, there's been so many developments. They just had a lip sync Lollapalooza. Nando, do you watch the gay ESPN RuPaul's Drag Race? No. Good for you. <laughs> there's a few out there. He's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> It's worth it. I think Matt and Ty, those boys will sit down and watch an entire season in two days. We just don't mess around. It's like our football. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to How to Find and Keep a Gay Man. We are excited about today's episode that is called Body Adi Adi, Learning to Love Our Bodies as They Are. Is it relationship with your body, BFF or frenemy? Let's talk about that. Yes. And Matt, you have talked a lot about this, sort of referenced it in the podcast some, but also just in our friendship. uh, It's something only recently that I realized was an issue for you. And I don't know why it surprised me a little bit, because I think I see you as this confident, outgoing Mm -hmm. guy. And I just, you forget what everybody's dealing with or... This specific issue has been a lifelong struggle for me, frankly, um, for a lot of reasons. I think you grow up hating yourself for a variety of reasons that comes out sideways. But, um, you know, I was the oldest of three boys. My two younger brothers were these very masculine, excellent athletes. And I always felt like I was in their shadow and not as good as them. So Mm -hmm. uh, it started in eating disorders when I was in high school, you know, in kind of the darkest part of my journey. And then, you know, working out from a place not of self-love, but self-hate a lot. That tension Mm -hmm. has been something I've battled with. Um, in my adult life, but, uh, and it continues to this day. It's something that I have to manage. My inner saboteur, a big percentage of her is body stuff that, and I have to still to this day reach to love myself. And that's a journey that I'm on even still here today. Yeah. So initially when we were discussing this, we thought it would be great to bring on a practitioner to help us understand this and to round out what our ideas on this. Because if I'm just being honest, this hasn't been a huge issue in my life. I've had, God knows, plenty of issues. This has (laughs) not been one that's been prevalent in my life. Matt Bays is the boy that is 50 and you pray to God you look like that when you're 50 and she eats ice cream and still has abs. But we're glad that you're here to facilitate the conversation. <laughs> okay. Okay. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest, uh, who is Nando Rodriguez. And I first came across Nando on Instagram or on Facebook, just connecting in different circles. And I'm just going to give you this now. N-A-N-D-O-I-S-M. 
Let me say that again. N-A-N-D-O-I-S-M. His website is nandoism.com. Instagrams and podcast, Twitter, all that stuff is followed with a backslash nandoism. If you type any of those words, YouTube, Twitter, podcast, Instagram, and then put in nandoism, they will all come up. Nando has his own story that he's going to talk to us about. He is recognized as a magnetic breakthrough coach in New York City, lives in Brooklyn with his husband, working with entrepreneurs, helping them reduce their imposter syndrome. Love that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And crush self-sabotage. Also love. Of course, the gays don't know anything about their inner self-saboteur. <laughs> so uh, Nando offers both mindset resets and tactical tools to gain immediate measurable, sustainable, and repeatable success. His main goal is to help his clients create their breakthroughs faster than he did. I love that because it's faster just kind than of he like, <laughs> we can do this a little bit fast. Isn't that the way it all is though? You learn it long-term, then you help people and they start getting that shit in 15 minutes. You're like, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> Nando, thank you so much for being with us and taking time out. We're really, really grateful to have you on the How to Find and Keep a Gay Man podcast. Yes. Welcome, Nando. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with y'all. I'm a little proclaimed. Like you guys <laughs> are so well put together. And I'm just like, I just took a bath like five minutes ago. So <laughs> we're obsessed with the hair. We're obsessed with the glasses. The energy on your Insta is infectious. I was showing it to my kids yesterday. I mean, we're huge fans of the work that, that you do and flattered that you're a listener. Oh, thank you so much. How old are your kids? Mine are 11, nine and five. Faze yeah. was just here yesterday for my nine-year-old's birthday party. You don't know what it means to me to like have content that like kids can go into. Yeah, thank you. And I think one of our, I'll just speak for myself, that personally, I always trust people who have been through it, who have done their work and what I would call people who are tested. Mm -hmm. uh, people who are peddling something that they haven't worked for is not super impressive to me. But knowing the little bit that you've told me about your story, I'm sure you're going to get into more here today and seeing where you are today and what you're working toward is just so impressive to me. And I feel like it's going to speak to our listeners. So again, thanks. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in, guys. Lead the way. Yeah. Sure. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as we get into your story. But again, I'm the stats guy. So we start out saying, why are we having this conversation? Why is it relevant? Besides my own lifelong battle in this category, the National Library of Medicine says contemporary gay culture places great importance on attaining a body type that portrays masculinity and muscularity. The idealized male physique is a major point of cultural reference and dominant representation among gay men. So a 2020 study among a thousand gay men um, that were coincidentally in your neck of the woods, Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn and New York City. They did a study and found that 56 percent of these men struggled with either periodic or continual depression related to body image. And 34% reported a continued struggle with suicidal thoughts related to the body image, which is crazy. And it also said body weight dysatisfaction, dysmorphia, eating disorders, and steroid use um, were prevalent in almost 70%, one of the three of this study. Those are some pretty crazy statistics. And the one that really hits me is a third of these people struggle with suicidal ideation related to body image. That sounds like a huge issue in our, in our community. 
Um, and then lastly, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons reported that there was a 29% increase in plastic surgery among gay males in, between 2020 and 2022. And it is reported to be the largest growing client base in the cosmetic surgery industry in both the US and UK. So clearly, we have a lot of head trash that's devastating um, attached to this in our community. And you are kind of on the forefront of that with the work that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about how you got here with this work, your story, and your reaction to those statistics. Yeah. So first of all, I've been coaching for about six years. And when I started coaching, I was working with anyone and everyone, right? It's like, you have a pulse? I can coach. And um, <laughs> my discovery was the more niche down I got, the more specialized I was able to go. I liked working with female entrepreneurs. And I took a step back two years into my coaching. And I was like, what do you like about these women entrepreneurs? You know, I love that they've got big ideas, big goals, but something's holding them back. What is that inner fear? They've got that self-doubt. They've got that, you know, overwhelmed sensation of like, I'm not good enough. Right. <laughs> and I discovered this thing called imposter syndrome. And I was like, ding, 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 ding. So I became an imposter syndrome breakthrough coach two years into my coaching career. Fast forward, there I am just chugging along, getting clients, and then all send the pandemic kids. Mm. And, you know, you said something earlier that you struggled with weight for quite a while in your lifetime. That's me too. So as I'm trying to build my career, married and got, you know, a full, well-rounded life going on in the back of my head is always the weight thing. And it's like, you got to go to the gym and you've got to look this certain way. And when the pandemic hit, you lock someone in their house for two years next to a fridge in a global pandemic, <laughs> it's not going to be a pretty situation. Not good. Yeah. So I ended up gaining around 85 pounds. I didn't even realize it was just soothing with food. So 85 pounds later, everything's opened back up again. And it's just like, holy crap, how did I get here? The depression had set in. I had no motivation. Hi, I'm a breakthrough coach. <laughs> and so like, then my business tanked because I didn't have the confidence anymore because I'd look at my content, I'd look at myself and it's like, I don't like who I'm seeing here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we tried veganism, water all day, fasting, intermittent fasting, eating five times a day, eating no times a day. Like it just nothing was working. And I literally just sunk deeper and deeper into a depression. For me, it was my creep, my mojo was gone. And, you know, love that you said my inner saboteur because I started tapping into this thing called IFS, internal family systems, where mm. We have these different parts. We've got a fun side. We've got a serious side. We've got a money-making side. We've got a spender side. We've got a you know fearful side. We've got a courageous side. And all these mm -hmm. parts live inside of us. But I've got different parts of me. My anxiety can only be calmed down with fast food. And my nervousness can only be calmed down with like rich chocolate cakes. And so once I started discovering, oh, this one soothes this way, this one, that's all my body was doing. My body was just protecting me. That's it. My body was just mm -hmm. saying to me, can you calm us down a little bit? And this is the only way we know right now. So interesting. It wasn't until I connected those dots that I was able to stop that self-sabotage. Sure. So now that's what I'm doing. So I'll stop there so we can digest a little bit. No pun intended. 
But that's a little bit of like what happened and what went on. Wow. Mm. Interesting <laughs> how we can use things that work for a time, but then they create more problems. You know, when I hear you saying you were using these things to calm yourself down, that your body was just trying to survive something and it found something that worked. You know, I'm a recovery guy. And so I always think for me, alcohol worked right up until it didn't. It seems like the pandemic ended and you all of a sudden saw yourself going, what the fuck just happened to my life? And now I have to get back out into the world and make shit happen. And I'm in no shape to do that. There was physical consequences to what had occurred. This is New York City, right? I couldn't walk down steps without holding on to rails or without the help of my husband because my back and my knees were in so much turmoil because of all the extra weight I was carrying. I created physical problems I'd never experienced before. So when you realized that you were self-soothing with food, I'm curious to see if you thought the deeper issue there was self-worth or self-love stuff. I didn't see it. You know, interesting enough, one of my friends introduced me to a coaching program and, you know, he kept talking to me about the mindset part. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. I just needed (laughs) results. So what did that work look like? The mindset piece? What did you have to tap into and redirect in your mind to get to a positive direction? That's a great question. So going back a little bit further, I I was adopted and my parents told me I was adopted when I was five years old. Now, this is pre-Dora, pre-Barney, pre-Kardashians. So I didn't have role models, right? So at five years old, little five-year-old brain said, there must be something wrong with you. You're not good enough. So I carried that conversation with me and I brought it along everywhere. And so this perfectionism came out of me. People pleaser. I had to please everyone because otherwise they would send me back or I'd get rejected. So that's where the connection came in, right? Mm -hmm. Is soothing for fear of. So those are the things that I had to really face and really deal with and struggle with. Yeah, I can totally connect with that. So you said perfectionism. So mine came from a similar place. You feel like you have to earn your place at the table because you're not worthy as you are. And that root is really hard to pull out. So as you identified that as the root of some self-love issues that, you know, prevented you from really caring for yourself, was it a dialogue? Matt and I've talked about dialogue of self-love, affirmations, those types of things. Those have been tools that we've used. What are some tools that you learned in healing that part of yourself? Mm. As a coach, I went through a lot of training on how to help people discover inner turmoil. But it wasn't until I started doing the IFS, the internal family system, and discovering those parts. So even though logically you understand, wait, I am worthy, something so animalistic will hit you every once in a while. And it just like cleans all that education out and you're left there raw. Maybe I'm not worthy, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. Remember, that's just a part. It's a part that is reminding you of stuff that's not real, my default is I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Yeah. And it's instinctual and it's a default. So the internal family systems helped me discover there's a part of me that will always just be there to kind of just poke and remind, hey, you're not worthy. And now knowing, oh, it's that part that's doing this. Okay. Oh, so annoying. That's the self-sabotage. That's the I'm not worthy and how it comes out sometimes, right? It really has you believe something's real 
when it's not, and then we we screw it up. I don't have to listen to it. I don't have to do anything with it and just be with it sometimes. Yeah. Worthiness is a huge issue for me. I married this amazing man. And that was one of the things that I almost immediately felt is not worthy of him. And I would have to stand quietly in the shower and say, that is not true. This is not true. I didn't really think of it as talking to a part of myself, but I kind of like that because it sort of makes it seem less overwhelming. Like there's a crowd of people that I just need to say no to one or something. Well, here's the thing, right? It's actually getting to know that part and discovering why it was created because it was created for a reason. And so if we actually, instead of like having it shut up or being aggressive towards it and just being curious, it's going to sound strange, but if you really listen to these parts, they're going to have names. So if you ask it like, hey, whoever that is out there with the unworthiness, what do I call you? And they will say, I want to be called Bobby. And that's freaky, right? My anxiety is Artie. And Artie's there to remind me that even though I just paid the rent on the first, the rent's due in 29 days. He's there so that I'm not homeless. So these parts actually care for us deeply. So it's being patient and working with your parts to discover why were they created? What's their role? And so it'll start answering you. And once you friend this part, check this out. Once you discover why it was created, once you can appreciate it, it starts to loosen its grip. And you can say to it, hey, is it okay that instead of you taking over, is it okay if I take on some of that responsibility? Okay. And so it's not as daunting. It's not as red flaggish anymore. So... As we're talking about body issues and learning to love our bodies as they are, my struggle with this kind of thing is you're not in a healthy situation if you're 85 pounds overweight, right? This isn't working for me. I can't get down the stairs and I'm taking all of these medicines that I would not need if if I wasn't in this situation. Where do we fall on that path of you're okay, you're worthy exactly as you are and accept yourself over here or accept that you have to get over to a new place where you're in a more healthy position. What is, what's the math on all that? Yeah. How do you love yourself today while still recognizing you have a journey that you need to get on in this area of your life? And I also think that it's complicated because you can be like Nando, you were in a place where you, for your health, really had to make a decision in this ad- in this category. That's one extreme. The other extreme are people like myself who've been in relatively good shape their entire adult life and still have so much head trash, they hate getting their picture taken. You know, it's like two extremes that exist within our community. And how do we love ourselves and do more positive space from those two extremes? What I would say is loving yourself in the gap. And if you can't love yourself in the gap, at least try and be compassionate with yourself while you're in that gap. Because Mm -hmm. basically, this is where I'm at right now, 85 pounds overweight. Mm -hmm. And where I want to be is healthy. And so loving myself here is what's going to do the work or just being compassionate, right? You know, and I say this to all my clients is it's very important for all of us to have a CPR team. I think we all need CPR. And what that stands for is having three people in your life. One person is the C. They cheer you on, right? So no matter 85, oh my God, well, this is not 100. They cheer you on no matter what. And they make you feel loved. They make you feel appreciated. 
Because sometimes we don't do that for ourselves. We can't, right? This is my mother. If I was 85 pounds overweight, she'd be like, son, you look better than most 85 pound overweight people I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) That's your cheerleader, right? P is you need someone to push you. Okay, so what can we look into? What do you want to do about that? Someone to push you, right? And then the R is someone to keep it real. All right, Nando, 85 pounds. You know, it's not going to be overnight. You know, it's not going to be in a month. Let's get this going, right? So CPR team, no matter what is going on in your life to help you go through that. I think that would be step number one. Okay. Cheerleader, pusher. Keep it realist. Realist. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And hopefully we all have those people. For me, Matt is a P and an R. When I was in the (laughs) depths of reality, he was definitely pushing me to do things differently and to let go of the past, but then also keeping it real. I love this. I really appreciate it. But I'm, I'm still thinking about men out there that we idolize beauty as gay men. Mm-hmm. And we see the people that are the most fit men out there. I see them at the gym all the time. Personally, I have no interest in those guys. I never have. It just has not appealed to me, whatever. But I know it's the the goal that everybody has. But then there are also all these other guys that are in fine shape. They're not in the greatest shape, but they're in fine shape. What do we do to begin to change the conversation or even the people that don't have far away to go? The guys that are, like you mentioned, Matt, the plastic surgeries on the rise and mm-hmm. all of these different things that we're trying to do to stay young and to stay in the game before it's too late when really life is just happening and we're getting older and <laughs> people say once you're 30 you're dead right and then you have a resurrection at 40 because you can be called a daddy you know <laughs> and and then in your yeah. 50 it's just like go home and pull the shades honey and wait <laughs> for the Grim Reaper to come take you away. And there's something about that. That was the biggest, Nando, the biggest surprise for me, one of them, when I stepped in the gay community late in the game was how much focus was around age. And I was already 46 and I was proud at 46. I didn't really think about that at all and never had in my life. <laughs> but all of a sudden, all of these people around me are 32 and talking about being old. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You know? Yeah, but it's interesting, right? Because you were outside of the culture, like you weren't in it. And now you've learned at 30, you're dead. At 40, this. At 50, you pull the shades, right? (laughs) So I think you've answered your own question. And it's like, how do we stop perpetuating that out there? Yeah, we got to stop putting that out there, right? One of the biggest lines that I heard in what was it in the 90s, Will and Grace, was I'm straight skinny, but I'm gay fat. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. And people my age, we remember that, right? Like you're saying, it's like, I'm at this age, I got to be a fit daddy. And it's just like, what if that never really existed, but it's there because someone's passing it down, someone's putting it out. Yeah the ethos, right? So I personally don't think we're ever going to get away from that only because people hold on to ideas and then we just pass them down, right? So yeah, it feels generational. It feels like a lot of the older men at 70 should be sending the younger ones messages of don't get caught up in that sweetheart or you're going to lose a lot of years. But instead, what I hear them saying is these are pull the shades guys. <laughs> that it's like, it's over for me. Yeah. So I'm going to look for an 18 year old 
and buy him presents. So he'll stay with me. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Well, and I think it's been exacerbated by social media, Instagram. Like, oh my God, the, lo- the love hate relationship with Instagram. I can't look at it too much because I will start to believe that I need to look like that. Mm-hmm. We've got to let go of that. How do we do that? When we yeah. were talking to, about a previous podcast, Nando, when I started dating, I came a little bit later to the game as well. And I was with a boy one time, I took my shirt off and he said, oh my God, I can tell when you were in your twenties, you had an amazing body. <laughs> and I was like wrecked for like two months back to struggling with bad eating patterns and in my head. And, and I think that there's so much pressure. And I feel like you won't say we'll never get away from it. I feel like it's worse now because of social media. It's just in our faces 24 seven. And so we believe that we need to look like that. And it's hard to get away from that messaging because it's so prevalent. And how do we have a healthier relationship with that reality swirling around our heads? Yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea because Mm -hmm. think about it. What's coming up in two months? And what does that look like? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. who are those boys out there dancing, prancing? Like, they're not doing it in suits. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's why individually we have to do our own work and stand in my own reality and my own truth. I don't know if there was an episode recently I saw of Modern Family. Modern Family. Yes. And the gay couple, Mitchell and Cam, are telling their 12-year-old daughter who's going to this pool party, don't you worry about it. You get that bathing suit and you go, girl, and it's fine, blah, blah, blah. Something happens. They end up going with her and they're encouraging her all along the way get to the party and this person that's hosting the party, their dads are gay. So it's all gay men and they're all young and they're all hot. And they walk in these boys who've just told their girl, accept yourself. It doesn't matter. You know, they walk in and they're like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) but I think about that stuff and I just think it's never ending. It's a never ending cycle. And I would love to see people be able to get free from that, that it ends up becoming about health and fitness and everybody likes to look good. Okay. But not torturous. And Matt, when you said at the beginning of this, that I was punishing myself in the gym, I've worked out next to and with the person who had so much negative things out loud that they were saying. And I thought, no wonder you don't want to come to the gym. If that was my tape playing in my Mm -hmm. head, my God, I can't imagine not only doing the hard work of exercise, but But putting yourself to the mental pressure of managing that. And Nando, I'm curious. So you've lost 52 pounds. That's a lot of weight to lose. So first of all, congratulations. I understand. That's a lot of work. So I'm curious your mindset. So you have come a long way. And as you sit today, still on your journey, but have you know come a long way, has there been a huge shift in the way that you feel about yourself out in the world, that you feel about yourself internally? I know you've had to identify the internal family systems on that journey, but other than that, kind of where are you at with that now? Yeah. So what's changed for me is not just my energy, but the confidence to do whatever and whenever. In the past, you know, even at 40 pounds overweight, you know, it's like the hair still had to look a certain way. Now it's just like, I don't, mm. now it's me. Like Matt Bays was saying, have it be a journey about yourself. So like, because the confidence is there, it's like, I've been watching a lot of designing women and my (laughs) title is Suzanne Sugarbaker. 
And girlfriend just says whatever, whenever. And I'm just like, that's my new idol right there. I'm just going to say whatever, whenever, and just be okay with it, you know, and (laughs) up afterwards. So that's what's changed for me is that there's this confidence, but the energy to back it up now. And are you saying that you are developing a healthy self-image that is not solely based on how you look? Is that what you're telling us? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I believe at this point in my journey, that is a foundational piece. The pressure to have a perfect body, the degree to which you feel it internally is plain and simple, a result of low self-esteem, period. So if you believe you have more to offer than just what you look like, and you can exercise and eat from a place of self-love instead of self-hate, I mean, those are the pieces in the last couple of years that I have really been working hard to put together. And I think that's the work that we have to do, especially as we age in our community, for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad, you know, I was adopted. My dad was one of the most generous men on the planet. And our families are from Mexico. We'd go to Mexico. And he was like Santa Claus and so generous always. And me being the greedy child, I would like throw fits because I'm like, that's my candy. Literally, my dad would sit me down and try and teach me like what generosity was and being kind to others. And now that I'm older, my dad passed away in 2011. And the biggest compliment I've ever gotten was from my sister and my brother-in-law. I was visiting my family in Texas and my husband and I took them all out to eat and we always get the check. And I overheard them saying, wow, he's really turned into your dad. Like he's so, he's all about being generous with people. And that hit me so hard because he had touched so many lives. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's that impact that we have. And I can't have an impact on people if I'm worried about my hair, if I'm worried about like a zit, right? So that's my goal. You know, yeah, you want to look good. Great. Me too. But it's more about that. Well, and you yeah. need more than just education in a newly developed good habits. You really have to be in a place where you love yourself enough to continue down that path, right? Yeah. Especially for, you know, for us, a lot of us are lone wolves because we already come with that. I'm not worthy. I don't belong. You know, I'm not good enough. And then for all these straight fit, but gay fat boys that really mm-hmm. just are in their head. We were talking earlier about um, the trip that I was on a couple weeks ago, the honeymoon. And we were at an LGBTQ plus resort and talked to tons of people. And one boy in particular stands out in my mind. Because here I am, you know, Ty and I were a bit adventurous with the swimwear. We're on our honeymoon. We're trying to do the most, you know. And I was feeling a little bit self-conscious at at some points. And I sat down next to this guy. um, He was from California. Really cute boy, but thin, skinny guy. And he had a shirt on. And he was like, God, I'm hot. I was like, well, take off your shirt, dude. What's going on? And he was like, oh, I can't. I'm a whale. I said, you're a whale you know, and he eventually did. But then he like goes in again, didn't even know this guy, but goes into like his journey with like really bad dysmorphia and how he's triggered. You know, it's great to be in gay spaces where he can be with his people and feel free. But then, you know, in these types of settings, he has to deal with like this really, really heavy dysmorphia and head trash. He never feels like he's attractive. And so it really struck me in that moment how Like I was blown away that this very thin boy next to me was dealing with this. But also a thought that I had was when we compliment each other, how much of it is, I love the way you look, I love your hair, I love what you're wearing, whatever. It's these external things. So you said you wanted to be known as a person of generosity like your dad. 
think as we as a community also have to be like, dear friend Mapes, I love this about you that is internal. You're such a generous person. I love that you're my cheerleader, my CPR team. I love that you make me laugh. I love that you're thoughtful and you remember everything I tell you and assigning value to those internal things. So we can begin to focus just as much on those types of things. I think that is a countercultural idea in our community as well. But another really important step in combating some of these. Well, as with anything, the way for us to make that happen is to begin with us and the people that we encounter and the people that we surround ourselves with. And then hopefully that just begins to send ripples out. And we're not going to get to everyone. But I don't know. I think about the boy that you mentioned, the skinny boy who thought he was a whale and thinking, you know, at some point, I think you have to pull the plug on shit like that. If you can't get past it, you have to think this is a space I can't be in. Uh, This is a battle that I've never really fought very well. And so for now, it's not something I'm going to participate anymore. I can get love and spend time with my community in spaces where they actually wear clothes. (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, That's a valid point. Valid. You got to do what you've got to do for you. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, this has been enlightening for me, you know, because it's it's not something I'm used to. And I don't think it's just because I'm skinny, because we know plenty of skinny people who are judging themselves. I grew up with a woman who just didn't have a lot of insecurities about that. And I just think it wasn't a big focus for us. You know, so my sister, one of the funniest things I ever heard her say, God rest her soul. She's not here today. But she told me one time she was like, I weigh more than I ever have in my life right now. And I knew, you know, she'd gotten chubby, whatever. We didn't care. (laughs) And then she said, but I look really cute chubby. She was dead serious. And I remember her saying it and thinking, that's the thing. That's what I wish I could give to all these women who are gaining weight. That right there, whatever that is, is magic. Or these boys. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, we have this thing, Nando, at the end of every podcast called prayer time. It is so not prayer, honey. It's sometimes foul and sometimes lewd and sometimes meaningful. But before we get there, is there anything that you would like to tell us? The only thing I'll end with is I think that's a call to action. What Matt had said earlier about let's give people compliments that are internal, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great call to action. So just notice when you're going to compliment someone and is it, you know, oh my God, you look so good in that shirt or... You know, you must be so proud that X, Y, Z, because it really does mean that you're looking inside. Mm -hmm. People want to be seen. People want to be heard. People want to be noticed. And I think when it's the internals, it means so much more. And people need to be reminded that they internally, who they are internally is just as important. I think we don't really think about that in the gay community hardly ever but we need to. I like that call to action. We're about finding and keeping a gay man. And if you can get in touch with knowing your self-worth outside of what you look like or what your body Mm -hmm. looks like, you realize that you have something more to offer. It boosts your confidence and you realize there are people out there for me. I mean, I've heard so many people say, oh yeah, it's it's over for me. I am in a gay choir with men who are 50, (laughs) 55, 60 years old talking about they're done. Game over. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, no. Okay. And what you got for us, Reverend? Prayer time. This prayer time, gentlemen, is called Jessica Simpson. Are you ready? 
God. Jessica Simpson's <laughs> debut song, I Want to Love You Forever, came out when I was still married to a girl. First time I heard it, it felt like Christmas. Recently, I was hankering for some of those big, belty high notes and took a trip down the annals of YouTube. Because we're gay, honey, we don't make the rules. While searching, I happened upon a more recent video of Jessica Simpson attempting those same high notes, this time to no avail. As gay men, we like beautiful things, baubles and big voices and snatched bodies. But what happens when we change? How do we accept ourselves or the ones we love when we're not as cute as we used to be? Beauty has been an idol in gay culture since the gay flower settled in Cape Cod. By the time we're 50, many of us will be holed up in our homes, shades drawn and awaiting the end because as far as physical beauty goes, we've been replaced by all the young gay honeys. And what if we have? Can we just let that shit go? Because if we can lose the fucked up ideal that our gay predecessors have handed down to us from generation to generation, that at a certain age, our best days are behind us, we'll be able to find a deeper and more meaningful purpose for our lives. An older gay gentleman once told me that in his younger years, he was known for sex, perhaps by an old box of Kleenex or a ham sandwich he'd once made love to when he was 14, I can't be sure. I listened to this tale as he shared his deep fear of waning beauty and a soft midsection. His main concern, that he wasn't able to perform sexually the way he used to. He was nearly a hundred. If our identity is wrapped up in clubbing, sex, and beauty, we're living with an expiration date tattooed on our ass, and that's not cute. We must learn to celebrate what is, not what was. We're only young once, it's true. Coming to terms with this reality is necessary if we're to ever find abiding peace and happiness. Amen? Amen. And amen. <laughs> Another beautiful prayer time. Thank you. Jessica Simpson. Oh my God. That's hilarious. From the, oh, honey. Yes, yes. I was obsessed with that song. And then I watched her sing a YouTube video and I was like, oh, girl, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. She's rich from her line at Macy's now. She don't care. <laughs> Nando, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It so has. Thank you, guys. Yes. And until next time, live in rivers of self-love. We are living. <laughs> One, two, three, four. That's it for us today. For more bitchy wisdom, follow How to Find and Keep a Gay Man on Instagram and TikTok at, you guessed it, How to Find and Keep a Gay Man. And until we meet again, get a therapist, don't be an asshole, protect yourself, call your mom, and remember that you deserve a meaningful love. Bye.